0: So let's uh, stand together in honor of the living Christ and the reading of his holy gospel. Today's text, according to the witness of St. John, uh, the first chapter beginning at the first verse. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. Brothers and sisters, this is the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be God. God. Amen. Please be seated. I just don't know what's going on with these allergies. Ugh. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. For nearly 38 years, this has been my uh, continual prayer. Every time I've uh, had the honor of standing before you in this pulpit and in the other congregations I've served, I've asked God to help and guide me so that the words of my mouth are acceptable to him. And so for the sermons I have uh, preached that have been faithful to the word of God. I give the Lord all the glory and honor, and I thank him for those who taught me uh, what faithful preaching should be. Among them, uh, one saint in the church triumphant by the name of uh, Arndt Halverson. Blessed be his memory. And brothers and sisters, for any of my sermons that fell short or were lacking, I ask God, I sincerely ask God, and I ask you, his people, for mercy. Now, here's the interesting thing about sermons. Every pastor I know has had times when they were so busy, they had to wait till Saturday night to write their sermons for Sunday morning. And just as they sit down to get started, the phone rings, and someone in the congregation has just died. Or a church member has been rushed to the emergency room. Or there's a family in crisis. So the pastor goes to be with and minister to those. He's called to shepherd and serve, which means if you're following me, uh, the sermon doesn't get written until 3, 4, or 5 a.m. That's happened to me many times here at Faith. And to my surprise, people have told me, the sermons I wrote just hours before worship were the best. (laughs) Or Pastor Bruce, you preached exactly what I needed to hear. And on the other hand, I've delivered sermons that I had written and finished by Wednesday, had a chance to review Thursday, again on Friday. I mean, I think I prepared a really good message here. And on Sunday morning, having preached that message, uh, no one said a word. So my life and ministry are proof that God can take a tired pastor who's been up all night, then rushing to prepare a sermon just moments before worship and do something good with it, Our God is a great God. And that said, uh, I do not recommend writing sermons a few hours before worship (laughs) on a regular basis to any pastor, uh, young or old. (sighs) Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Today, brothers and sisters, I want you to think about these words for your own life. And while I have used them as a prayer when preparing and delivering sermons, uh, this is the word of God. It's not just meant for pastors who are called to preach. These are good and faithful words for all of us, not only when we're here for worship, but in our homes, in our schools, in our neighborhoods, in all the places that we work. Do the words of your mouth does a meditation of your heart glorify God and reflect his love uh, does your speech do your thoughts reflect the goodness and mercy of Christ even though I'm preaching my last sermon as your senior pastor I know I need this prayer going forward in the next season of my life with my beloved Kirsten because I want my children and grandchildren to know that God has been and continues to be our strong rock and blessed Redeemer. And I want our children and grandchildren to know this by the way that Kirsten and I spend our final years. And I want others who don't know Jesus to see something, to catch a glimpse of his love and his goodness by the way in which I treat other people. I want my conduct I want my speech, even my thoughts, to be spirit born and spirit led. And I hope, brothers and sisters, and I trust that you feel the exact same way. That these words are words that apply to you, your life of faith, and your daily discipleship. You know, one of our former associate pastors here years ago had a sign in his office, and it read Share the gospel at all times. And if necessary, use words. Uh, His sign reminded me of what Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German pastor and theologian who died a martyr's death in uh, opposition to the Nazi regime, had to say. One act of obedience, one act of obedience is better than a hundred sermons. Now, that doesn't mean that sermons are unimportant or unnecessary, right? But I think Bonhoeffer reminds us that what we do as followers of Jesus Christ matters. Uh, Even Jesus said that we should not just be hearers of the word, but that we are called to be word doers. We are called to be doers of the word. And you can read more about that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. In Bonhoeffer's day, it wasn't enough to talk about obedience, right? Those with faith in Christ were called to embrace fully the cost of true discipleship, even when this put a person in danger or at odds with the principalities and powers of this world. It was true for Bonhoeffer. It's the same for us today. So how does a person... How does anyone uh, get to that place of obedience? How does anyone get to a place where they want their speech and their thoughts and their lives to be acceptable to God? Uh, The lesson from 1 John that Clark read for us uh, teaches us and gives us the answer. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. See what love the Father has given us. In order for us to desire God's will, in order for us to begin seeking God's purpose for our lives, in order for us to even start Meditating on what a life of discipleship and obedience might be like, we have to start with God. And we need to know, every single one of us, how much the Father loves us. So, as I stand in this pulpit one last time, I want you to hear these precious words from today's preacher. With a little bit of a tweak. See what love the Father has given you. That you, you should be called a child of God. You are a child of God. This is grace, this is mercy, this is the very nature of the Almighty that sinners like you and a sinner like me should be the object of his perfect love. That we prodigal sons and daughters should be counted as his own beloved children. And that God would willingly die in our place so that we might have a life and a hope through the power of the cross. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God. And listen, and that is what we are. It's not just a dream, it's a given. You are a beloved child of God. It is a fact. It is a truth. Not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. We Christians know that the love the Father gives is demonstrated perfectly in Christ. And in two short weeks, we'll be celebrating Christmas once again. And in that nativity celebration, we remember that God took on human flesh. God was born of Mary. God died a lonely, agonizing death on a cross, a death that we deserve. Uh, His incarnation, his life among us, his obedience unto death. This is love. The love God has for his entire creation. The love God has for each of his unique creatures. The love God has for you. Yet there are voices. I don't know about you, but they whisper in my ear, and maybe they've whispered to you as well. Uh, Surely I must do something to be worthy of that kind of love. Uh, There's no way God could love me this much. I've made a mess of my life. I have so many regrets. I've made so many mistakes. So maybe, just maybe, if I try really hard and make myself a better person, then I might be finally worthy of God's affection. And brothers and sisters, these voices are liars. These voices would have us believe that Christ's death on the cross is lacking. (laughs) These voices would have us believe that Jesus is not enough or that Christ did not fully complete his work, his purpose, his mission. So these voices come and they tell us that we must clean up our acts and and make ourselves uh, acceptable. (laughs) And then God can love us And these voices uh, turn God's grace into just another law, just another thing we, we must do, another religious requirement we have to meet, another item we must check off the long list of self improvement in order to be worthy of that kind of mercy. And here's the truth. We're not worthy of that love. We don't get what we deserve. Instead, we get grace and forgiveness and perfect love. The word of the Lord reminds us of this truth. These should be familiar to you. We are in bondage to sin and cannot free ourselves. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. This is the gospel. This is the good news that we celebrate in Jesus. Christ accepts us first before we can acknowledge him. God first loves us before we can love him in response. This is gospel. We don't have to earn our adoption as the fathers, sons, and daughters. God adopts us so we can become his precious children. And that's not just semantics. One of my uh, spiritual mentors, uh, Dallas Willard, i uh, put it this way, simply and succinctly, uh, God's grace is opposed to earning, but God's grace is not opposed to effort. So I want you to imagine uh, a little boy, a girl, who thinks that he or she must earn the love of their parents. What would that be like? Imagine a father or a mother telling their precious children, flesh of their own flesh, that, you know, once you prove yourself, once you've done enough, once you've earned the right, well, then we will love you. (laughs) Wouldn't that be just cruel? No parent would do such a thing, right? So why would we ever take the gift of God's love and turn it to cruelty? By suggesting it must be earned. And yet when a boy or a girl knows how much they're loved by mom and dad. When they know they're in a safe place. Well then a child can turn to them. With love in their own hearts. For the father and the mother. They can learn to trust their parents. And then they can turn to those parents in, in good times. And. And times of trouble and having been raised in that kind of love they can become who they are truly meant to be so we want our words we want the meditations of our hearts we want our actions to be acceptable to God because we know how good he is and how much he already loves us years ago I was at a church convention and i uh, spent a lot of time wandering the hallways at church conventions just visiting with people and visiting the vendors and i came across one vendor who had some books on display and just by reading you know the inside of the dust cover and the reviews on the back i decided to purchase two of those and take them home with me they were books uh by Brennan Manning and he came into my life when I needed to hear what he had to say and those two books were uh, Abba's Child and The Ragamuffin Gospel Uh, Manning's words and then the story of his life kind of woven into the books helped me when I needed help to understand more fully how deep the Father's love is for us and how deep the Father's love is for me. Let me tell you just a little bit about Brennan Manning. For many years as a pastor, he did what I'm doing now. He stood before believers. He preached God's grace and mercy. But inside, he didn't believe that God could be that loving to him. Because Manning, like so many of us, was So acutely aware of his own shortcomings, his own wretchedness, his own failures, and all of his sins, he enlisted in the Marines after a high school and fought in the Korean War, you know, to prove his worthiness, but it wasn't enough. After returning home, he went to college and then seminary. He became a Franciscan priest, but even that wasn't enough. So he went, you know, one step further. He joined the little brothers of Jesus, uh, Franciscan order, serving the poorest of the poor in France, but still wasn't enough. His sense of unworthiness and guilt only caused him more sadness and and depression, which fueled his drinking for self-medication. And then his alcoholism made him feel even more unworthy of God's love. He was religious, to be sure. But he felt far from the love of God until the Holy Spirit made him realize that this grace is not something we earn. It's what God has done for us. It's what God does to us and what God accomplishes in us. So let me share with you some quotes today from Brennan Manning. My message is this, God loves you unconditionally as you are and not as you should be because no one is as they should be. This is the message of grace, grace that hikes up the robe and runs breakneck toward the prodigal, reeking of sin and wraps him up and decides to throw a party, no ifs, ands or buts. Grace is sufficient, even though we huff and puff with all our might to try to find something or someone it cannot cover. Grace is enough. Jesus is enough. God's love for you, God's choice of you, these constitute your worth. Accept that, and it becomes the most important thing in your life. And this last quote, my deepest awareness of myself is that I am deeply loved by Jesus and I've done nothing to earn it. I've done nothing to deserve it. You see, knowing we're loved by God makes all the difference, doesn't it? And knowing we're loved by God in the midst of our sin and our brokenness, we can trust him. We can do our best to please him. You know, not in some attempt to make ourselves worthy, but just in response to the goodness and grace of this loving Father. See, then we can turn to the Lord and say, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, on this last sermon, I want to say some things. Pastors can let you down. Pastors can disappoint you. Church members can let pastors down and disappoint them. Oh, we can disappoint each other. (laughs) This happens in our large church family called Faith Lutheran. Oh, but I have a suspicion it happens in your individual families, too. Without grace, without mercy, without forgiveness, without love, no congregation will last for long. And no family can stay together. So we uh, turn to Jesus, our rock, our solid ground, He's the one we depend on when others disappoint us and when we disappoint ourselves. With Jesus, we can try to do well. Knowing our best will never be good enough to earn God's love. But knowing that the Father is pleased when we simply try to love as he first loved us. This rock, this solid ground is also our redeemer Just thinking of that word, redeemer, it reminds us that we need redemption. We need someone to redeem us. What does that word mean? In the Bible, especially the Old Testament, we we learn that a redeemer uh, is someone who rescues a person. A redeemer is someone who rescues a person in danger, a person in trouble, a person in need. So having been rescued by God when they were in bondage in Egypt... The people of Israel knew that they were now expected to act as redeemers uh, one for another. And in Jesus we see our perfect Redeemer uh, rescued us, saved us. Uh, Without his love we're all in danger. Without his mercy we're all in trouble. Uh, Without his grace we'd be forever in need. Faithful pastors do their best. And I think on some Sundays they do better than others. That's been my experience. But faithful pastors do their best to proclaim this message of grace, hope, and love. And I'll tell you what, you know, some of the sermons people have told me, you know, were, were the best. Uh, they're the sermons I, I needed to hear. <laughs> We pastors don't go into ordained ministry to entertain people. There are people who make a living entertaining us, and they do a far better job, don't they? Can I get an amen? Amen. Pastors do not go into the ministry in order to win a popularity contest. In fact, sermons that are acceptable to the Rock and the Redeemer may very well cause a pastor to be unpopular. We pastors uh, don't make it our goal to make everyone happy and please all the people all the time. Uh, Because we are blessed here with a staff of pastors, I've been blessed to hear sermons from other pastors, and on more than a few occasions, a fellow pastor caused me to re-examine my life, and some of the best sermons I've heard have been right here at Faith, when our pastors have made me reassess my own attitudes and assumptions speaking the fullness of God's word its law and its grace into my life as a pastor for uh, 38 years I've been far more concerned about offending the Lord than upsetting a few people and I'm accountable to God for every sermon I have preached from the first one Well, oh, as a Tenderfoot, a brand new pastor in 1984 who didn't know a thing, to this final sermon today. I thank God, and I thank the good people of this congregation for entrusting me with the office of senior pastor for these past uh, 23 years. Uh, Kirsten and I were only 40 years old when we uh, packed up our things and drove with our four children still living at home to come to Albuquerque. Uh, During that interview process, many people uh, told me I was too young uh, for such a position. And I had some other pastors tell me that, eh, don't get your hopes up. The call committee's got lots of resumes, and there's lots of pastors who are probably more qualified for this position than you, Bruce. And they were probably right. Yet the people of God decided to call me. And I am profoundly grateful for the trust. You placed in a 40 year old pastor so long ago. I thank God and I thank the people of this congregation for calling Jerry Watts to be your next senior pastor. He is a good and faithful servant of the Lord, and he is wise beyond his years. And he's ministered to me as a pastor, and he is ready, he is ready to serve with you as faith moves forward in faith. Now one of the many things I like about Jerry is he understands that he's not called to entertain you or make you happy every time he stands in the pulpit. He understands that the words of his mouth should be acceptable to God first and foremost this is not going to be uh, acceptable to the statisticians and the scientists and the accountants and the engineers in the congregation so this is my disclaimer (laughs) I tried to count up how many sermons I've preached since I was ordained in 1984 I could only do an estimate and I know that's not acceptable to you people who think with such precision but The guesstimate is about 2,500 sermons. That's my best guess. You know, looking at the Sundays and the weddings and the funerals. I'm honored you entrusted me with so many of those sermons here at Faith. I hope that some of them have encouraged you. I hope some of them have challenged you. I hope they have comforted you when you needed comfort and they've given you hope especially when we gathered in this place for the funerals and memorial services for your grandparents, your parents your husbands, your wives your precious children and your little grandchildren I hope and I pray that what God has allowed me to do here in your presence has been faithful to the word Jesus and I hope and I pray that these messages have been faithful to the mind of Christ so let me say one last time from this pulpit oh and by the way did you know this is an adjustable pulpit And it was never quite high enough, but it goes up and down. And let me say one last time from this pulpit. May the peace which far surpasses all human understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord this day and until we see the Savior face to face. In the name of the Father and of the Son